Welcome back to Pick a Vinyl with Kate and Jason, brought to you by On Deck IC and Warren Music Pro. Normally, this is where I say, hey, Jason, how are you today? But as I'm sitting across from you, and we have added a video element to this, you are mocking me, sir. You are <laughs> mocking me. They can't see me. Yeah, they, we just, we literally just set up these cameras. Oh, hey. Yeah, but they're not, they're not on me. They're just, they're all on you. Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine they weren't on you at all. <laughs> you see the first episode we post, and it's just me, like seven different angles of just me. And you got, it's the Jason Warren Collins show. <coughs> but I'm clearly in the room. <laughs> I'm replacing your, your voice with Elmo anyway. I, I used to be able to. Elmo. Oh, my God, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, my goodness. I can also do an Alanis Morissette impression, and I know she's your favorite artist of all time. So. Oh my god, I didn't think that's probably just a dangerous place to go. <laughs> this is, this is about happy albums yes. that have been impactful and brought us a great deal of emotion, and when they bring us anger, it's a cathartic one, not just to stir up anger yeah. within you. <laughs> so Yeah. Hey, today's a very big day, and before we dive in, I did want to make a note of this. Oh god, oh, no, oh my god. Um, it is Friday, so yeah, it's a very um, big day. So. One of seven in the week. Yep. Um, it ends in Y. It ends in Y. It has a vowel in it. it has two vowels in it, really. So, and sometimes Y is arguably, arguably, arguably three. Let's, three. let's skip talking about the album and let's just talk about if Y is a vowel. And and just the days of the week. And the day. <laughs> Welcome to the days of the pick a day of the week with Kate and Jason. <laughs> No, but for real, for real, uh, today is a very exciting day because the first Warren Music Pro production client released their EP today in Dominic Trapanese. Uh, Dom Trap. Dom Trap. Dom Trap. Yes, he. Uh, and it's funny because this will give you know the 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 three or four people that already know before they they see this and listen. Uh, we'll be able to tell how much time we need to put in between doing an episode and actually airing it. <laughs> um, and it's a lot more time than, than I would have thought, but it's working out actually very well. Um, but so Dom Trap, old student of mine, came back to me once he was a couple of years into college, and he's become this um, incredible country-ish singer-songwriter. Um, he's always had a great voice, but what he's done, the work that he's put in over the last couple of years, I mean, his voice is just in a really good spot. And he's writing these really, really crazy, cool tunes. Not sure what it is. I had, met, I had said to you, like, goth meets Johnny Cash. Um, this is why we hate genres, is this exact reason. Well, yeah. <laughs> and because something that's great usually doesn't fit into just one or the other most of the time, I would say. So just go check it out, is what I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, the album is called uh, First of Many. Um, and what I've been saying to you is like, the, the you know, this isn't the first project that Warren Music Pro has finished on my end. And it's not the second. It's not the second or the third. third. It's probably more like the tenth. Um, (laughs) But it's the the first client who actually went through the steps that need to happen after they leave this room with a master. Um, And it's unbelievable (laughs) that (laughs) that that's the case. But um, you know what? What always happens when people come to me, they say, um, 
you know, uh, you know, we want to record and, you know, I explain to him a lot of things that, you know, during the process or getting into the process, I always say, make sure you prepare it, have everything written, have everything, uh, polished, rehearsed, you know, the less rehearsed it is, the more money it's going to cost the, um, the, uh, the more rehearsed it is, the cheaper it's going to be. It's that simple. And the same thing with writing. You know, if you bring a piece in and it's going to take me an entire day just to get it into a song, well, then you're going to spend a lot more money. Um, so I try to help them out with that. And then what's very interesting is um, I'm always surprised that this happens at the end, right? Then it's like, okay, here's your master. Let's set up a call. I, I do the same thing with, with every... Um, with every client. All right, we're done. Um, let's set up a call. And, you know, the call, I always call the call next steps. <clears throat> and it's always like, well, what do you want to do? I mean, it's different now, but typically there's a, a performance element. Unfortunately, there really can't be. Um, well, to a degree. This was recorded during the beginning of the vaccine rollout for COVID too. So I think, uh, yeah, everything's been been virtual. Yeah, no, this was December. Oh, this was yes. Sorry. Yeah, so this was recorded. Um, actually, no, this the, this at, was recorded in August. I should have clarified. This podcast was recorded <laughs> at the end of February in in oh. early March. I'm just thinking if it comes out in a couple months, maybe there will be an ability to perform at yeah, some point, which is well, what I'm yes. hoping for. So I was being oh, yeah. optimistic by saying that, but just to just to clarify, yeah. but this was recorded in August, you said? Yeah, the album's recorded in August. Um and um he's going to school. He's in Arizona State. So, you know, it was this interesting thing. He had to go back to school and then he came back and I'm not even gonna mention there's some we did a lot of other cool stuff. Um, so he's going to have a lot going on and he's doing the things he needs to do, <laughs> which aren't that hard. They're really not that hard. I mean, the steps aren't that hard. You just have to not be lazy. You just have to be able to get up and do some things like go to TuneCore and just upload your music. Um, you know, um, but he did all those things. And, um, oh, what I was going to say is, you know, those last steps, I'm always shocked by the look on the faces of these clients. It's the weirdest thing. It's it's like, it's a combination of like, oh, I thought you were going to do all this for me. And like, oh, this sounds like a lot of work. No, actually, the fact that you were even following up on it, I would say. is Well, yeah, like the fact that I'm even like... explaining to them, I should be charging them. And by the way, I don't charge people for that, that call. Um, and... Uh, you know, no, you're absolutely right. I I should just go here. You go. Yeah, that's it. I produced um, it. Off you go. Yeah. Uh, this is you know we're not a record company, um, so um, you know, but um, yeah, I'm always surprised and Dom Trap, and it doesn't surprise me that he's the one because I've worked with him for a long time, and he is, he's quite a man. Um. And He's a hard working man. Hard, oh, 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 hey there. That is the title of one of the songs. Yeah, it is. I yeah. crushed it. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but he is a hard working man and he's a respectful dude. And um, I just, I, I wish him the absolute best. And we'll see who knows. Maybe, maybe by the time you hear this podcast, you know, he'll be in Nashville. He'll as a be big in country Nashville. <laughs> 
He's awesome. I'm very excited that he's released this awesome EP, and I'm excited for you to have a production that you worked on that is out there. It's in the world. Word. Word. Hey, you know what is amusing? What's that? You know what's amusing? Um... Funny cat. Oh my god, I'm talking about the band Muse. Oh, Scott, right, get with right. me. <laughs> right, right. So we were right, talking right, right. for some reason. We were talking outside of the work that we do. Uh, and we were t- talking about a specific experience actually with a different band, but eventually led us to here. Um, about albums that kind of like transplant you to another place. And we in that discussion ended up talking about Origin of Symmetry, which is, I think, really cool because that is one of the first albums that I felt like kind of did that to me, particularly because Origin of Symmetry came out in 2001 and a lot of the stuff that was on. In the United States, it came out in 2005. Oh, there you go. So I... In 05, I had just graduated high school, and I was in Binghamton, New York, and there was not a lot on the radio that I was excited about. It was a lot of, um, I guess that was like post-boy band bubble, more into like pop punk, uh, and I heard this album probably around then, and this was not that. <laughs> and it, I don't think it was on the radio, but it was one of the first times I got my hands on something that... I don't remember listening to because I don't think I was like here. Um, And it was the first thing that I think I started to realize like what cohesion sounded like in music a little bit. And one of the things that I felt like was somewhat braver of an effort than a lot of what I was hearing. It didn't feel nearly as safe as what I was hearing on the radio. You... (laughs) came from an era that was not the era that I was in. So this probably, while an outstanding um, album, didn't have that same, like, virginal aspect to it because you were in this era where that had Well, when it came out, it, 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 it disappeared, you know? I don't know, I mean, I don't know too many people that were aware of it. I, I don't think I was aware of it until certainly probably black holes and revelations is when they started playing on the radio often. Um, and I hated them. I absolutely hated them. I was like, these guys remind me of Radiohead, and they're like, um, and I, <clears throat> you know, you talked about bravery. I mean, they're another one of those bands that they're very, um, courageous with their emotions. Um, and they could have one just nasty, like metal sounding riff that just drives me nuts. And then the next song could just be this really, really slow moving, um, you know, um, uh, love ballad. And um, that did not hit me the right way. And that's why this is a really great band to to talk about for me, because I was totally turned off by them. And then I remember it was finally I had this like group of friends that I was really close with. Um, and we had a shore house 
um, in, I think it was the summer of, I think it was 07. The summer of 69. And they um, kept talking about this band, Muse, and every time they put it on, um, I would be, you know, oh, I hate this, and, you know, I can't stand this band, and, oh, if you guys like this, you should actually go listen to Radiohead instead of, <laughs> you know. Um, and they'd be like, you know, and the thing that bothered me was that this group of friends, one of the reasons why I became friends with all of them is because we had very similar taste in music. And, um, this was like one of the only things we were disagreeing on. And I was like, what the heck? And, uh, then, um, one of my friends, um, said to me here, just take this and just go listen to it by yourself. And he didn't give me absolution or black holes and revelations. He gave me origin of symmetry. And so just take it, like listen to it on your own, you know, and um, fast forward, whatever, 13 years later. And they're, I'm pretty sure the band I've seen live the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, when I look at specifically Showbiz is very good. Um, this album is probably a top 10 of mine. Sure. A top 10, top 20. Um, Absolution is amazing. Um, Black Holes and Revelations is amazing. Um, uh, what, 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 what is, uh, oh God, Resistance is incredible and like, really courageous i mean there's like almost half that album is 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 kind of classical um and it's that's pretty insane um and then you know as we go through it you know i i get iffy especially with simulation theory the most recent one like i just can't get into it it feels like a pop record and not a good one Uh, yeah but that's how it feels right now but i had moments like that with drones and then i kind of came around on a lot of the tracks not all of them but um, you know, they're not doing it for me the way they were, but again, I don't know. So what is that? Showbiz, Absolution, Black Holes and Revelations, Resistance. Origin, um, which we're talking about. And Origin. So that's what, six records. I yeah. mean, that's, if you, even if you have, I mean, Tool has five total, um, <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, for them, even though, like I said, as time moves on, I'm kind of like, Ugh. um, you know, to have six records that I could just put on and and know that I can listen to every second of it and love every minute of it. That's that's pretty special. I love that you at first didn't like them because it sounded like stuff that you'd already heard. And I loved them because it sounded like nothing that I had ever done the research to listen to at that point in my life. So while you were like, no, I hear, you know, I hear repeats of things I've already heard before that defeats the point. Well, it's just really one thing. And and it is still there. I mean, it's very obvious that he's highly influenced by Tom York. Yes. Um, and there are even still times where I'm like, all right, man. But <laughs> there's there, there just there are a ton more layers. There are a ton mm-hmm. more layers to their music than I thought. Like that, I couldn't get, you know, because also, I mean, it wasn't too much longer after I had, you know, been exposed to Coldplay and... You, you, you know, um, you know, I guess that's what you listen to if you want to go on a Radiohead diet, I guess. <laughs> Radiohead you know, diet? I want the full calories, but, 
and and you know, and I still feel that way uh, for the most part about them. They have some great songs. I don't know if there's any depth to it, but I, you know, the world seems to think that they're so great. I feel like, <laughs> and I think you said your brother feels this way because we talked about this a little bit. I feel like Coldplay's more Diet U2 than I feel Diet Radiohead. Oh, no, they, they sound like U2, really. Um, I feel like but, I get those vibes. Yeah, no, I've, I've never once, I've never, no. Um, no, my brother likes, uh, my brother loves Coldplay. Oh, he loves Coldplay, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I did want to go back to this fearlessness piece of this because I feel like we talked about it a little bit with Billy Joel, and I think it's such an important part of the experience of creating it from what you've talked about. Like, we've talked about two really, really big things. One of them is ego, <laughs> and just not having one when you're in the process, just letting things flow out of you. And fearlessness is another really, really big one. Um, how do you not have fear? <laughs> From the from the creation standpoint, or is it just acknowledging that there's fear and doing it anyway? Like, what's I I don't know the answer to that question because I don't know if I've gotten rid of that. Sure. Because I, you know, we talked about it a little bit last time about, uh, or, or we talked about it with Billy Joel and I think the Beatles. Um, we we talked about how um, how much I admire uh. You know, especially, you know, men that don't feel like they need to be macho and are afraid to show their true feelings or, you know, to, to write a true love song or something that has emotion. And, um, you know, we talked about it with Peter Gabriel, too, with In Your Eyes, where it's just like, man, like, like I would have felt like a man after writing that, you know, <laughs> but it's still it's it's just it's, it's heart wrenching. And um, so I don't know if, if I can answer that question i mean i don't while i'm it, it's not a thing while i'm writing it's more of a thing uh, about like whether i'm going to either record it or, or bring it to the band or, or whatever and or hard delete it in yeah, some cases oh yeah those just don't <laughs> usually make it and you know or you know like the last one was actually interesting because you know and, and who knows maybe that will end up on, on on something because the guitar player and the keyboard player were like what are you doing this is great um, because I, mean, I had sent it to him with the pretense and the subject saying this sucks, which I, <laughs> which I do a lot. Uh, you know, just confirm with me that this sucks. Um, but you know, really, what it was is I, you know, that was one that I had really sort of just worn my emotions on my sleeves, <clears throat> and um, and I I I definitely struggle with that um, as as an artist. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't like being vulnerable. Or sure. people knowing I'm vulnerable, I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Are there times where you're able to turn fear on its head and then just write about the fear? Well, like I said, when I'm writing, it's not there. none of that's there. You know, it's just the, it's, it's the it's judging not, after. Yeah, it's the after. It's the okay, what's going on here? And then it's like, oh, you're so lame. Is <laughs> <laughs> usually what ends up, and that's why it's always good to have, uh, you know, these friends, colleagues. Um, in my case, you know, other band members that, you know, that I know are going to be straight with me and right. Cause they have told me stuff sucked and with you intelligent know. opinions. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man, Matt, Dan, Sean, stupid, 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 definitely not 
virtuosic or genius. So yeah, good point. You know what I mean? Well, see, that's an important thing. I mean, did I mention Steve? I mean, guy guy plays four or five strings. He can't even. That's it? Yeah. He doesn't even play. And he plays all low notes. He won't play anything above like a certain note. It's weird. That's very weird. (laughs) And he calls his guitar a bass. Like this is baseball. I think his dad used to fish with him or something. I don't know. Oh, that makes sense. Must be a bass fisher. Men. <laughs> fishermen. Well, that's important. So you're like, these tracks are lame, and you're lame. So it's a good reflection of. Let me just confirm any insecurity you've ever had. That'd be great if they were like, no, yeah, it's yeah, lame, no. but that's it's perfect. That's you fits so, you so well. That'd be. I'd, <laughs> I'd be in a suit at an accounting firm a week later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would imagine that would be an advantage to having a producer in a room with you is that there's someone else's opinion in play. So as a producer, (laughs) how do you deal with other people's fear? Do you just not deal with their fear because it's, you feel like things are more objectively, you know, this needs to go in that direction. This needs to. Well, I think it's definitely important to be objective. Um, as far as that's concerned, you know, it's a lot more rare than I'd like to admit. Dom is a good example of somebody who writes uh, prolifically enough where we were able to say to sit there and go, all right, which, you know, which three songs uh, should we do for the EP? And um, that was an awesome experience because, uh, like I said, usually it's rare. Usually it's I told you to write 25 songs and you came to me with three. Mm. Um, I guess we're just recording these three. Um, and we don't even have anything to <coughs> discern in that way then, too. So really, if you want to yeah. record a 12-song full length, you should probably be writing 50, 70, 100 songs, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, especially... To get 12 great ones. Yeah, especially if it's just you, and especially if you're lucky enough where you have... I never had that, you know, but if you have the budget to go to a producer, then... Might as well take advantage of it. Sure. Um, and yeah, I would I would walk in there with a, a hundred songs and be like, help me figure out. Because I don't think I'm the only person on the planet that has an inability to judge my own music. Like I can't, oh, you know, I can't sit and listen to my music and tell you if it's good or not. I have no idea. You know? I can't even write copy for, I do marketing. So sometimes one of the things I do is copywriting and it's for a client. And because it's still my writing and not even about anything to do with me, I have the hardest time, A, being done, like thinking that there's a point where I can't make this better. Well, there's copy I wrote a year ago that I'm probably still thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. So the idea that something is good enough, great enough, finished is really, really tricky for me just from a, a writing perspective. But yeah, yeah to, that's that's a weird thing to have to self-evaluate. It's why when I write bios for musicians or whoever they're like oh my god this is so good i could never do this about myself because that's a very difficult thing to describe yourself and this is almost in similar lines to that i would imagine of just like sitting back and saying is this some of the best work that i'm capable of that's wild yeah (laughs) you know and you know i mean the what what makes me feel comfortable that that's the way it's always going to be is if you go back to 1994 
and pick a song I wrote then and show it to me now, I would have the same feeling about something I wrote, you know, a month ago. Right. Um, I might just think the newer one's cooler because I think that's kind of where I'm at now. But I'm not going to literally be able to objectively go, oh, well, that's better than this or this is better than that. And I would hope that over the last 27 years, I've become a little <laughs> better at, at writing. But I can't tell. I I would have no idea. I have no idea. So, um, but yeah, it is, it is important to be objective. That's the benefit that they're paying you for because they have less of an ability to be objective, if not none at all. Right. And, um, you know, it's nice to have this voice out there go, this is better than this. Sure. This is going to work better. You know, um, let's do this one. And, you know, most of the time with stuff like that, that's pretty easy. And like I said, but most of the people right now that I'm dealing with, you know, I'm like, all right, I asked you to come in with 25 songs. You came in with three. Like, I feel like a, like a school teacher, you know, I'm like you fail. Go write it on the chalkboard. <laughs> I will go home and write 22 more songs. I will go home and write 22 uh, more songs. <laughs> as if it's like this crazy assignment. It's like, if that's an assignment to you, then you shouldn't be sitting here. So Right. <laughs> Especially paying for it. Right. So one other thing that I loved that we've talked about a little bit before and that I think one of my favorite examples of, we've talked about this song a couple of times, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. I heard her talking about that song and how the track that they used was the first take and she did not want to use the first take because uh, it wasn't perfect. She was like, I know I can do better. I know I can do better. I know I can do better. But sometimes... And especially in that case, because the the imperfections are beautiful because it's just vulnerability and everything that that song is about is such it's just so, so uh, emotional and not like that clever about being emotional. (laughs) It's very much what it is. Yeah. So how are you able to discern that piece of it? Speaking of fearlessness, how are you able to discern when imperfections just needed another take? Or when imperfections are like a part of the character of the song. Can you just feel that? I think that's really easy. I think that's when, as a producer, you just get to be a fan. Mm. You know, um, I know what things I've heard that have made me go, oh. (laughs) So if a client does that in a vocal, like that's one of my favorite things to do is produce vocal sessions because... Um, when I have those moments, I'm like, oh, geez, those are the greatest moments. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is hard for them to hear me say, and I try to avoid saying this now, but what I used to say a lot is, oh, don't worry, I'll tune it. And mm. when when they say that, what they don't realize I'm saying is, well, that performance you just gave is a lot bigger than any perfect technique we'll ever get. Sure. So I'd rather tune it a little bit to make the technique perfect then uh, have you try to find that place you just fell into because that that can be harder for people, you know, especially certain certain people getting them to even get to that place is is takes a lot of work. So, you know, it's like I'd rather just tune it. Sure. Then then deal, you know. And that's how we use the modern technology, folks. (laughs) But that's that's so true, because there are some imperfect, incredible performances that I would much rather listen to than an incredibly sterile, perfect technique performance. So that's such a, that's such an interesting balance, but that's cool. So it's basically 
you get to sit back and put like your fan shoes on. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> what it feels like. That's awesome. That's what you know. That's what a lot of production feels like. You know, when um, when when the when the is you know the more involvement that the client can have, and I know that may sound funny, but it, you know, uh, you know, there are times when I'm doing everything except for maybe singing. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm writing everything because they came, like I said, they came in with three half-written songs that <laughs> out of the 25 I told them to. And, you know, there have been times where we end up scrapping all of them um, and we end up just writing. And, um, you know, so sometimes I get stuck where I wrote everything, I'm playing everything. And that's not why I want to do this. Um, I want to do this because, you know, it like sort of elevates teaching to a new level, like to be able to see somebody develop now, not just as as you know a musician but now as an artist um is is like in, an incredibly awesome thing when when i get to see the development happen so the more they're involved and when i see a client play a crazy solo or 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 just nail the bass line or or something like that or, or come up with a really cool synth sound or you know that i can be a fan too i can sit back and be like whoa yeah yeah, yeah that there we go that's you know <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing nothing cooler than that you know nothing i love that because that sounds like the difference between bringing the them out of them versus like compensating for what they didn't prepare for. <laughs> like you, like production is like bringing their vision to life as opposed to like filling in the other half almost. Well, yeah. And then it, then that comes back to, well, I don't know if it's good. Yeah, of course. It's like of I, course. I wrote it all. Yeah, for, and for you. And I paid so it even all. more disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I don't know. Is it good? I have no idea. Um, and that, that can become dangerous. That's when I'm producing, but I'm asking my other producer friends, like, is this any good? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, that's, that's not, unfortunately, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what production has become. Um, and I'm in a position where I do play a little bit of everything. So, I'm in a good position, I guess, if you say financially, where I can get a lot of those people. A lot of people that wouldn't be able to go to other producers and have a record made can come here because I could do all that. But it doesn't mean I want to. I'd rather I'd rather have, you know, the person come in that's fully prepared and fully, you know, ready to be an artist. Sure. And, and then, you know, I could just kind of be, you know, sort of help them, uh, you know, help them find their passion, you know, help them get to it. You know, you can do what you do best, which is play the didgeridoo. Um, I really kind of thought that we. Sorry, t- sorry, we, theremin. It, but now you brought the other one up. <laughs> Those were really the two things contractually we said we wouldn't talk about. But good thing is we're not recording today. So yeah. Oh, thank goodness. So that's two weeks in a row. We're just going to. I thought you were classically trained and, and, and that- trained in jazz on the didgeridoo and the theremin. Don't really want to get into that. All right, fine. So don't fine. I want to I don't want to talk about We're talking about fearlessness and you are scared to talk yeah. about your theremin. My my theremin I you know what's crazy? I would love I wish I played the theremin. That thing is sick. <laughs> it is such a funny little instrument. It's so cool. Oh, it can be a lot cooler than funny. Oh it, yeah. It can be awesome. It's it, just you know. so uh it just immediately I'm like, I'm in a horror movie. Kind of like how yeah. when you were playing diminished chords on the piano and you were like oh watch you're in a silent film now <laughs> theremin i'm immediately yeah. like in like a weird laboratory in a in a horror film or something yeah i love it but i have a uh a, a friend uh oh the bass player cody from thank you scientist 
uh, plays Thurman. Speaking of, of bands stuff. that revolve around fearlessness, <laughs> I feel like they, <laughs> thank you, scientist. Is definitely one of them. Tell me a bit. Um, it just all a bunch of great, hilarious, silly goose, silly geese. It's a bunch of silly geese, and they're Big all. Fuck. Every single one of them is one is is one of the best players at their instrument, including Sal, the singer, um, that I've ever seen. And I think it's so funny that they're all in, so virtuosic, literally, at what they do. Um, yet they're just a bunch of silly geese when oh. you chill with them, and um, that's why you know I just love all those guys. But uh, yeah, Cody uh, pulls out the theremin. Um, he also plays a saw. Um, he does a lot of interesting stuff. But the theremin. Um, yeah, that's something I've always, I've always, you know, and you know, I know there's there's two antenna and one is pitch and one is volume, and I'm sure it's something that like if you're a musician that if you spent I don't know, ten thousand hours, I guess you'd probably be pretty good. <laughs> um, but they're expensive. Yeah, they're like really, really, really expensive. So we're gonna add it to your Amazon wish list. Oh great, that one's getting. They long. sell theremin on Amazon. They probably right? do. They sell everything. <laughs> I mean, I get a lot of my equipment now. Sweetwater probably hates me. <laughs> get a lot of stuff on Amazon. I'm like, and it's all because it's like, oh, Sweetwater won't get here for three days. I know. Amazon, like, it's like Amazon will get Amazon, here. Oh, it's here. Minutes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even hit submit yet. Amazon <laughs> is the Chinese food of delivery services it's where crazy. when you're like, I'll get the number four spot. Oh, my Chinese food is here already. It's like, it's yeah. that instant. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to... And it's just like it, because you're also hungry 15 minutes later. There you go. There you go. It's back perfect. on Amazon going, now I need another strap. I love it. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about... Oh, great. Actually, let's stay on fearlessness, because you said you saw Muse six to 7,492 times. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but a lot. But a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure, and I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure, because we were talking about clutch. Yes. Cake. You know, a lot of the, I I was explaining to Kate earlier. I was like, there, you know, there are a lot of bands that, um, thankfully they didn't get too big, um, so the, they never really got to the point where like their tickets are 150 bucks or anything mm-hmm. like that. Bands like Clutch and Cake, there was a period where they would come every year around the same time. I'm pretty sure it was like late December for uh, Clutch and like. Or, like right around this time, like late February, early March for cake. And they would come to um, Starland Ballroom. Ballroom and I would go see him every year um, and then catch him other times if I could. So cake is a band and they're great live too, by the way. And, and, and clutch is sick They're By the way, if all you've heard is their albums, you haven't heard clutch because they're one of those bands. I can't understand they seem to be impossible to capture in the studio because they are just 6,000 times better live. It's, it's They're crazy. They're on real life. Yeah. And you and I went to see Clutch yes, Live at Silent Ballroom. Yeah, that was one of the, the last shows. the world was open. <laughs> yeah, and it was close to the end, right? Yes, and it was this around the same time of year. This was not this past December, but the December before, probably, I think. Right. So, so it was like literally three months before because before everything I, shut down. Yeah. Because I saw them and then I saw Tool. Um, and I think Tool was the last was the last show I saw. Man. Not a bad one. To not, end on. a, yeah, not a bad one. That one will <laughs> sustain you for a little bit, at least. Yeah. But there was a period with Muse where and I was saying this to you before, and I'm sure people are listening. I've experienced this like you get a group of friends 
you know, when you have a band that a couple of people are into, that's one thing. But when you have a band where like all your friends are into them and they come to town and you get like, now you get five texts and it's, yo, I got tickets for Thursday. Oh, I got tickets for Friday. Oh, I got tickets for Saturday. And like, you know, if I'm at a time where I have some sheesh, then I'm like, screw it. You know, and there were at least two or three times where they came to the area and did like five or six shows between two or three different places. And I just went to like four of them. I'm going to all of them. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and they're, they are a top five live band I've ever seen. They're absolutely the, like one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. They're, they're visuals Have too. you, and I don't know anybody who has said yes to this, seen a bad Muse show? No. No, that's not, that's not right. a thing. <laughs> I just don't know how it's a thing. I mean, let's, I mean, again, it's very unusual in the rock world to have somebody that has that much classical training. Right. I mean, you know, the more I thought about listening to it this week, and I've said this before, I've said it about uh, Maynard. And now I even have to say, I have to say from Maynard, I think it's more of a tone thing than anything else. That's That tone is, I wish I had it. But as far as just like virtuosity, as far as like, um, you know, technical vocal ability, I mean, I just don't think anybody touches him. Um, what about, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name, from Mr. Bungle. Mike Patton, maybe. I mean, I'm pretty sure he has a PhD. Uh, so, really? Yeah. So that's wow. possible. Um, it's tough. But he does all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but. I'll tell you, as far as like going into the soprano range, sure. As and not, you know, and I hate using this word, but you have to when it's a guy singing a soprano. <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically, like belting up there. Mm. Um, and, and you know, when you see him live, and it's like better. <laughs> you know, your assumption when you hear the record is okay. It took him two hundred times in helium. <laughs> and then he, when you see him live and there's no there's no uh balloon in there's no balloon in his hand and he's just nailing it um even cooler and you're just like you know what he does vocally i just don't even know how i don't know how he he does it i don't know how it's possible i have to say too when on the subject of fearlessness with this i've been experiencing especially of recent but just in general as a student that your best quote unquote technical performances tend to be when you are not trying to do anything technical <laughs> and you are focused not at all on it because, and you've said this a few times and I think we've kind of alluded to it on here, but not maybe so plainly is like, you, you can't, you can't technical your performance. All, all of that already came. All of the, yeah, you're either prepared or you're not and the training and stuff. It's not happening in that moment in front of all those people. So I, I just find it so funny that all of my best technical moments are the moments where I'm trying the least and maybe focusing on one or two things, maybe. But usually I'm like, let's get down focusing to focusing on, on zero. Yeah. that's what, <laughs> But literally, like, that's kind of what we've been working on is like yeah. how to not think about all of the things that make you good. <laughs> and that's I feel like the one of the common threads. I've only seen Muse, I think twice, was blown away both times. They have a very cool live show in general, too. Um, but, but it's just so funny that the, the times you are at your best technically, it's probably like an athlete. If you're 
a pitcher and you're thinking about the fact that you have to throw it at 98 miles an hour to get it by this hitter and whatever, rather than just relying that your stuff is there. It, it, I'm imagining it's it's kind of a similar thing. But... Oh, I can't. I It's got to be. I mean, because it's the same thing. If It's very simple. If you haven't prepared, then you're, you're, you're screwed. So it's too late. So you might as well just have fun anyway. Um, and you can actually, I'm not saying don't be prepared, but you can actually win people over even if you're not like technically that good. Probably not you or I, but like the performance is, is such a magnetic thing. Yeah. And Muse certainly has that. And like you said, like classically trained on top of all of that. Like what an, a magnificent blend of being just incredible professional musicians and performance aspect is just unbelievable i've i've both times i saw them i was completely drawn in you've seen them upwards of a dozen times probably you said right that's about somewhere right. around probably there. somewhere so and uh, yeah, so don't I forget saw guys i'm not a fish head so i've never seen right. a band 150 <laughs> times or a dave matthews guy I've, I've seen fish like four times and i've seen <laughs> dave matthews twice there and, you go and, and and you know they were both great but, but are, you're, you're not i'd a rather save head. my money to see yeah. other <laughs> Other, other, other bands, yeah. Let's yeah. go experience magic and with a bunch of different bands. Yeah. Um. But that's so. I only got to see them on two tours, and one of them was Drones, which I liked that album. I wasn't in love with it like I was in this era of perfect albums that they put out. Uh So was there anything you noticed from tour to tour, other than the obvious, or were, was it every time where you're just like? Yeah, they're just fucking rule. Every time they got better. Um, every time they got better uh, as far as they were tighter. Every time there was a cooler visual element. Mm. Um, the visual I, elements are so cool, I felt like, when I saw them. Cause yeah. when you saw, did you ever see them when they had the bracelets and the, uh, there was one time they had like reflectors on the chairs. It was like the sickest thing. And like all the lights were just coming from the seats and people, it was like. Yeah, and they pulled that off at MSG too. That's I think where I saw them. Yeah, when they did that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they they, you know, visually it, it's insane. They always and very very uh, very very innovative and creative with what they do visually between the video uh, and the lights and even just the stage setup. Um, very 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 cool. Um, but I, the other thing that I think is interesting is I think that they're kind of aware as much as a lot of their fans are that not that, you know, it's funny. I go back and forth like second laws when it started, like, like there's a lot of really great stuff on that. And I was, I listened to that one day this week and I was like, wow, this really is a great album. Like songs like supremacy, supremacy is really great. I think Madness was the first one where I was kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of like a pop song. But there were aspects of it that I thought were still pretty cool. And I, it's not like I hate pop. It's just if you're going to go pop, it better still murder like, you know, like the <laughs> other stuff that, that you've done. Um, and I think by simulation theory, like I said, it just feels it just felt like a pop album. And I'm really trying to get into it um, because I wrote off drones. And then went back and realized that there are a couple of tracks on drones that are sick. And that, you know, then I realized, well, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss that. So I really want to dig in. But as they've gone on, one of the interesting things is like a lot of the, 
you know, a lot of bands, when they go out and tour a record, you know, that tour becomes, you know, 75% that record and then 25% mm. other stuff. Um, and they're, they seem really smart at like not necessarily doing that and really keeping a lot of their, their stuff that the fans know are just sick live. Um, you know, they, they, they keep, they keep that in there in their performance and they do a nice solid two hours. And if you know what he, what he does vocally, that should amaze you right there. I mean, right. I don't don't know how he does it. I mean, like two solid hours, two solid hours every time. I'm kind of with you in that there was some stuff on drones that I liked and some that I didn't like. This last one feels like the mist to me. But I like that we were talking and about... And I love the cover, and that makes me so I mad. I know! <laughs> it's so... I love the cover. It's such a badass cover, and I'm like, I wanted to love it. I want to have it on vinyl. Isn't it but funny how so. you... Like, I then assume it's going to be a great album. Do you do that? Where you're I like, do. Oh, the cover's so cool. Yeah. It's almost like, like when you see certain packaging, you're like, oh, that food must be healthy then. And you're like, why? Because it has grass on the front of it and a white background? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> but... That whole don't judge a book by a cover thing, that that is that has gone past my head. I've bought records literally just because I that's how I became an Iron Maiden fan. Mm, yeah. Way before I could even really understand their music. Um I, look I just how cool liked, this looks. Yeah, I just liked Eddie. <laughs> I liked Eddie and I remember the first uh cover that really, really got me was the Somewhere in Time album, which is funny because it's like it, in my opinion, it's one of the it's one of the ones I didn't really like as much as a lot of the other albums. But sure. But that cover is maybe one of the greatest covers in the history of music. Like, and, you know, I've had experience like this where I've liked the artwork or what the band is doing from a visual standpoint. And like, I, I remember literally, and I remember feeling like this with Iron Maiden. I remember being like, I wish I was a fan. And then it was <laughs> like, I became one. And then it was like, cool. Now I can hang these posters all over my yeah. room. <laughs> like... So, yeah, the visual thing, and I think it's also because it's really escaped me for the majority of my life. Uh, that was one thing that I don't know if I had enough patience to really put the time in to, you know, drawing and painting and stuff like that. And as, you know, I continue to grow as as an artist myself and start thinking, you know, I'm always constantly thinking about how cool would it be if I could just do everything. And when I get into the visual thing. It's kind of hard when you're friends with Matt Fritz to not think that way, I would yeah. who well, we referenced on this podcast a few times is one of if not the best drummer we've ever had seen never mind befriended and is an incredible visual artist as well yeah <laughs> I mean, just well you'll see on, on the barfunkel album when it comes out I mean that you know he did that one so there you go <laughs> it's ridiculous just, yeah i mean i like took a picture and tweaked it and sent it to him and he sent it back and i was like oh that's art <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so what I did want to steer into in the visual element of this is actually a perfect example in the live experience for sure is cohesion. I remember when I first heard this album, especially because I was listening through a different filter than you were, as we were talking about earlier. I remember feeling like maybe for the first time, <laughs> maybe it was too late in my life in retrospect. But I remember feeling like this is something that came out in a time where I was appreciating music that I understood and like this should be this should be on the same. This is not a collection of songs. This was done like intentionally 
and everything always feels so cohesive with them from a production standpoint, which we'll definitely dive into more with the track listing and um, just the balance. And as we're talking about how they're classically trained musicians, I'm sure. Well, I, I don't know about that. I just know that Bellamy definitely had some sort of classical vocal training. I don't okay, know. gotcha. Yeah. But they just seem to really understand each other <laughs> extremely well. Like there's not, there's very rarely other than vocally, because there's just some really outstanding stuff, but I am listening to a cohesive effort and not people playing instruments, um, which is something that we've talked about before, but there's so much to that. And even with the live experience, that's when I realized it the most. I think I was like, oh, look at all this stuff that is so visually interesting, but in no way distracting. Like it was all still one experience. Yeah. I just think that's so cool and so important and to see them do it so thoroughly, both on albums with live performances, they've had some really cool merch too. Um, I I love that, and that's something I geeked out huge with in this album. I don't know about you. <laughs> what, what's that? Just in cohesion in general, it's like I I felt like I really geeked out with that, especially on this this listen. Yeah. As, as we were preparing for it, I was like, man, this feels just so. I guess I I I think I need uh, further explanation of what you mean by cohesion well tough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just that it, it there's no moment where it doesn't feel like everybody is working toward the exact same thing at the same time like it just feels like everybody had such extreme clarity about what they were trying to accomplish in each song as an album when they're live that i never feel distracted by anything that any one person is doing yeah. We talked about it a little bit with Floyd. I think I'm just maybe framing this in a, in a different yeah. way or using different language, but it was just like, uh, you, we were talking about no egos. Like that felt <laughs> like this too, where it was, nobody's trying to give a standout performance. Everybody is on the same. And that's interesting because they stand out to me as three very different in- individuals who work together and it becomes a soup and not a salad. Thank goodness. But, you know, the bass... <laughs> That's perfectly said. I love that. The bass player is like... I mean, his bass lines... I mean, that was one thing I, like, forgot. I was listening uh, this past week again. And it's funny because as much as Muse was somebody... That, like, 10 years ago, they were my favorite band in the world. Um, and, you know, they'll always be in, in, in my memory. And it, it's so funny how, the, how things just change. Um so whereas if I had done this podcast 10 years ago, um, I would have, you know, they would have been my favorite band in the world. And today there's somebody who I remember as 10 years ago being my favorite, favorite band, band in the world. <laughs> um, but I'm digging back in and, you know, back then all the records would have been much more, um, you know, uh, a part of my, my everyday life. It was really mm. cool digging back in and listening to some of these records I haven't listened to in a little while. Um, and you know, the, that's the biggest thing is remembering, uh, just the baselines, just how insane they are. Um, and Bellamy's, uh, Bellamy's, uh, guitar tone. Um, he also, if not mistaken, is the reason, uh, why I do what I do with the seven string tuned down to an A. Yes, Steve. There's seven strings sometimes four and five string. Yeah, I hope he hears this. I hope he hears this. <laughs> um, you know, and that is, uh, y- you know, uh, especially I think one of the reasons why I really, really, really admired him is because I think him 
and and I can relate. You know, we want to do this heavy rock thing. We want to be rageful and angry, um, but we don't necessarily want to fall into this category of uh, of you know what metal is today, which is a freaking shelf that you know we t- we talked about all that. Um, and um, I you know I think a lot of him picking up the seventh string and tuning it down to A, and in- incorporating that just fiercely fiercely high gainy uh nasty nasty tone um maybe to a degree i know you know it wasn't conscious but maybe to a degree was what led me to feel like i was okay with that because you know before i got my seven string there was a lot of like well i don't know i'm not five finger death punch or you know all this just crap that's come out (laughs) over the last 20 years that calls themselves metal that really isn't uh it's more pop than some pop (laughs) you know and you know um you know they're an example of somebody who does it but in in a totally unique and interesting way you know um it's it, it it it's again it's like it's like an aspect that you know um you know, taking an aspect of, uh, and, and it is funny because when I talk about those bands, a lot of times what I do like about what they're doing is their riffs and their tone. Sure. And everything else. I'm like, Oh, everything else is just copy. You know, it's just a, it's like fo- following a formula. Um, and I think that it's cool that, that, you know, they take aspects of, of, um, of, uh, what do you call it? Other, uh, you know, heavy, heavy rock. You mentioned rage. You know things like that, and uh, and and incorporate it without copying. You know, right? Very, very lit. Very, very lit. Shall we run down the track listing? Yes, I just looked at the time. We've been talking for longer than I thought. Well, these conversations fly by, which is surprising because I know it's hard for me. I really hate every minute of it. If it weren't for the money, I wouldn't even. Gosh, I wish I could get an office job. <laughs> it's like this huge gap, banking. I'm in it for the money. Uh, there it is. Origin of Symmetry, 2001, yep. by Muse. Muse. Uh, it starts off with Newborn. We move into Bliss. We move into Space Dementia. We move into Hyper Music. That's the one that I was like, oh, this sounds like a little rage riffy. I love it. It reminded me of, it reminds me of Sleep Now and the Fire by Rage Against the Machine. I almost always say Sleep Now and the Wi-Fi because that's my Wi-Fi. Well, yeah. (laughs) Sleep Now and the Wi-Fi. Plug in Baby, which is, oh my God. One of my, one of my favorites, if not favorite. Citizen Erased. Uh, That's my favorite song of theirs ever. Save it, it for the lightning round. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Microcuts. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my favorite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Every time I read one of these, I'm like, that's one of my favorites. Uh, feeling good. Yeah. Screenager. That's good. Dark Shines. Yeah. The hit, maybe? Megalomania? There was no hit here. I don't think so either. I think, like this I said, that says 2001 because that's what it was released in UK. But I was wondering, and then I looked, and you know, when you read up on it, it didn't come out here until 05. Um, 
I think they re-released it or, or whatever. Sure. Um, but that's the know. one I feel like people know. Yeah, I guess not a hit, but yeah, I feel like people maybe know I don't know, even maybe. know. Maybe it got some radio play. Um, I don't remember any of this being on the radio, at least at the time. You know, certainly in one, definitely not. Um, sure. But even because, you know, at you know, her bits of Apple absolution, definitely black holes and revelations. That's, you know, that was the, the, the like breakout, right? For for here. Yeah, I would say that was definitely it. And futurism closes it. Yeah, that one's a, that one's an interesting trick to end the record on. So your Citizen Erased and Microcuts are like your... Well, Citizen Erased is... I've always said that, actually. I've always kind of said I think that's my favorite. And you, when you see that one live, that is quite... quite and, and, and I think they do it rarely because I think I've only seen it once or twice live. But um, they destroy. They destroy. They destroy. Yes. Any thing of note specifically from any of these songs that you wanted to make note of before we switch into the lightning round um well you know again i feel like a broken vinyl <coughs> huh yeah um gotta go I, guys <laughs> but i do i i feel like i said but the this is an interesting album because they are very obviously different tracks um so maybe this is because of the nostalgia or 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 who knows what um but i can't even imagine listening to this first of all the songs are so friggin' good <laughs> you don't want to miss any of them yeah like you put one on why would you turn it off um and they just it's almost like you know what i noticed about muse as i was going through their whole catalog this week like a lot of their albums are like that where you're just listening you're going oh this is on here that happened to me with absolution i thought and i think it was but i think i corrected myself i thought absolution was kind of on the lower end of the older ones and i'm listening to it and i'm going oh my god every track i'm like oh this is on absolution oh this is on absolution oh this is on i feel like i was like and and but but to me um, this is their most raw and they're, they're at least the one that, that most clearly and obviously hit me right in the face. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the reason why I just let you read the track listing is because like, listen to the whole thing. Like, um, I could sit here now and tell you, oh, that one's great. Oh, that one's great. I like that one better than that. But then if I'm experiencing it, I guarantee three of the four ones that I thought I didn't love that much, I would be like. Oh, no, 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 no. This is awesome. Yeah. So what struck me about this album was it's 55 minutes and six seconds long. And I it went so fast. I listened multiple times. I try to always listen multiple times in a week, but like I really had to hone in because I couldn't believe how much this flew. Hey, Jason. You know what time it is? Oh, no. The lightning round! <laughs> be nice if one of the interns edited for it but whatever yeah hey jason the lightning round if there is one thing we kind of just did this oh, that gosh. you want listeners to take away from this episode in this band what is it um they're not a radiohead ripoff so if you get mm. that same feeling that i got you're wrong okay because then you'll you, you dig in there's so many layers to them that I didn't know were there. And 99% of those layers are not Radiohead. 
I love that. Really, the only one is the similarity, and it may be more the similarity in their tones than it is actually. Or maybe Bellamy was a fan of Radiohead, and so am I. So I was like, I want to do a similar tone. <laughs> well, I think I'm sure it wasn't. I want to. <laughs> I hope not. Um, I think it was more like, well, you sing these songs enough, and it's going to become part of what you do. You got know? it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I would say one thing I take away from you is. is and with whoever you're listening to, if you're a real fan, see them live and see them live multiple times when you can, because it's just a different experience to see them live and bands that care enough to change up the way that they tour a bunch instead of just performing the same songs or whatever. Definitely like Muse is, is the leader of that. If one of, if not the leader. Um, so that's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, that's becoming a lost art. You know, I feel like I'm going to sound like old, but I don't really care. Well, you are. So. I feel like if you're under 30, especially, that you should go see Muse so that you can go, oh. Well, that's what a live show supposed to look like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure, depending on who you are, you have been used to going and seeing that you will be shocked by the amount of energy that takes place. Are there... Any, I mean, we kind of already answered this too. Albums or songs specifically by Muse that listeners should go listen to. Let's talk about the albums that are not perfect from this era instead. What on like drones should people go listen to? Which songs are your favorite off of that? Uh, Reapers is a sick, sick too. Um, and I'm going to have a t- hard time remembering, but you'll be able to tell right away. I mean, they have this thing where they go into these like love ballads. I feel like during a good portion of their early uh, years I hate saying this but maybe they were more authentic I don't know what it is they hit me a lot harder a lot of those the attempts at that on the more recent albums just leave me with vomit in my throat I'm just like this is lame I don't that's fair and you know I'm not going to be able to be specific on tunes uh, I know on drones there's a couple of them where I, I wanted to just rip the record in half because I'm just like feels like a different band yeah and then and then Which you got reapers hard. on there and it's like freaking melting my face and i'm like all right you can still do badass so why aren't you just doing badass (laughs) because we and we've talked about this too i tried to like view it through the lens of if this wasn't muse would i think this is a really good pop album and i was like yeah i think that i would think overall this is a pretty good pop album but it's just hard when you have fallen in love with something and i get bands wanting to try and evolve we talked about that with rage they were like this is our thing we kind of exhausted it so we're gonna split up (laughs) now yeah uh, I was. This is funny. The underrated song or album from this band question. I feel like Origin might be the underrated one. Origin, Absolution, uh, maybe Resistance. Yeah. Although Resistance, by that time they were starting resist- to get pretty big. Yeah, I was gonna say that's one like my cousins know that I use that as yeah. a barometer a lot. Any songs or albums from this band that you just can't stand? Maybe not. like a, like a ton. Yeah. Uh, there are even. Little pieces on the earlier stuff. They, every once in a while, they they pop out a cheeser, <laughs> and you know how I am about that. Like, you know, put put the cheese on my on my steak or on my burger. Don't put cheese on my steak. Put the cheese unless it's blue cheese. What if we're in Philly? Uh, then then go home. <laughs> 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 this is a much cooler city, twenty miles from here. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we just lost a whole bunch of people. That's fine. Um, 
<laughs> but, you know, put cheese on my burger, you know, mm-hmm. put it on my nachos, get get it the hell out of my music. And they do pop cheesers out every once in a while, even sure. on the older stuff. Every once in a while, there'd be a track or two. I can't think of names right now, but, and I just kind of, okay, guys. Yeah, you, you know, know it when you hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jason, that concludes this episode of Pick a Vinyl. Oh, well, I think this was a very fabulous one. Oh, do too. Thank you so much uh, for joining me. <laughs> yeah, I look forward We're going to talk like this actually. the entire next episode yeah. of the show. I hope that our, our, our physical, uh, our visual aspect hasn't just brought you guys to too much of a, a jealousy factor on, on the hotness. The J factor. Smoking a cigarette in this one today. So you guys are probably all like, <laughs> oh my God, this guy's old school. No, they're just, they're just jelly. The yeah. J factor is at like a 12 right now. Time it goes day. to 11. You go to 11. Next week we'll be doing Lick My Love Pump by Spinal uh, Tap. It's in the saddest of all keys. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.